How you guys doing? Welcome to another version. Oh, I'm sorry. How you guys doing? Welcome to Training Game with me and Big John. We're up to episode number two. Johnny, what was number two called again? Well, number two, we're going to have a couple of themes for this one, but this one's called Breaking the Mold. We're going to have a breaking the for the beginning, and it means, uh, you know, it's the part of the topic that we're breaking down. Right. Um, first one was Breaking the Ice. We're, it's sort of a part two to our first uh, episode that we were talking about, kind of getting into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty of stuff we wanted to actually discuss um, after introducing ourselves. Hopefully, you know who we are. I am, again, John Kioskarigis, and this is... I'm John DePaulo. And uh, we're happy to be here with you again. Um, today, we're going to talk about a couple of things that we are both pretty familiar with, okay? And oh it, is the, it is the personal training world. And I know that you are <laughs> – we have a lot of passions for this, uh, for this type of thing because I've done it for a while. I have no – I've stopped for quite a bit now. At what, 15 years I haven't done it. As a trainer. As a trainer, yeah. I did train uh, someone for like that needed to get in shape for a film because they needed to gain excess amount of – um, muscle. But what I always tell anyone that ever comes to me for a diet or comes to me for, you know, personal training advice, I always ask them one question that's very honest. It's not derogatory. It's not mean in any way, but I say, Hey, if, if you're going to follow this, I need you to follow it completely in its entirety or else it's not going to not work for you. Work, yeah. And that's the simplest thing I can say. There's no, there's no set formula that says, follow my system. I need to tell you exactly what to do. I need to tell you exactly what to yeah. eat. You need to follow what I'm telling you only because everyone else is wrong. It's not true. Everyone's body's different. This is the stigma we're trying to get away from. There's no top athlete or trainer that's going to say, I'm going to get you to where you need to be. Yes, that is, that is absolutely true in those aspects of like, I need you to get a better jump shot or I need you to get a better, you know, uh, uh, whatever like running, uh, running for football players distance, right yeah. so what i want to talk about is how do you engage with it because you're still you're still doing uh personal training i know you have evolved now to where you're into like kinesiology you're into a lot of corrective work but let's break it down in the beginning so personal training right okay how do you feel about how people should engage in finding a good personal trainer what makes a good personal trainer for you well, the opposite of what most people think, the way you look. The way you look doesn't speak about what you know. So I would say, coming from a gym perspective, say there's a Miss Katie Smith. She wants a trainer. She's in the gym. Sometimes you got to observe, look around, look, watch, watch, look at the way the trainer is. They're called cues. Look how he's, his rapport with his client. Is he constantly on his phone? Hey, keep going, 10, 9. Hey, you're doing great. He's not watching a form. It's making a connection. <clears throat> so attentiveness. I would say from a client's perspective, look at potential client. Look at how attentive he is or she is. That's number one. Number two, I guess you might want to observe their program design. For example, I seen a guy one time with a pregnant woman on the ground. He's making her do push-ups. That struck you as it strikes. I, I looked at you kind of strange. Are you looking up? <laughs> kind, really of strange, kind of strange in that way. Where I'm, I don't I'm want to saying, say nothing. you know, why would someone? Why would someone do that? And is it, in your opinion, is that something that is normal or is it abnormal? Because I would think, from a perspective, that it's a little abnormal. Well, ignorance is normal, right? I guess we can all <laughs> say that in some form, right? 
Ignorance is bliss. I, yeah, what do they say? If ignorance is bliss, why isn't there more happy people out there? That's an old one. It shows how far I go back. Hey, but, we're learning. But some some of the trainers too, um, I notice that they're very repetitive. And you'll watch them with a client, you'll see the same program design, but you look at the client, they never really progress. So is it really working for them or is it complacency? He's happy, don't he or she's happy giving this to their client. The client's not saying nothing. But sometimes as an outsider looking in, you can see a lot more than the person who's actually performing the workout session. Why do you think the client would be afraid to speak up in that way? Is it something that, you know, for the general public, because I know this question would come up, is it something that is, <coughs> you know, and also feel free, We, you know, I always want to um, approach this in a way where, you know, if you want to drop any comments in our, in our sections, feel free to do that because if you feel like you disagree with something, we definitely want to hear about it. Um, and we would love to answer and engage with our audience that way. But speaking of that, I feel like a question that would pop up is, you know, maybe I feel intimidated to say something to my, you know, personal trainer because he's organized this for me and I don't want to step on his toes. Like, how do you feel? How can I mitigate that? Well, it's a twofold answer. Number one, on, on our note earlier, if you guys got questions about what you want to see or ideas, what you want me and John to talk about, drop a comment as well. Absolutely. We'd love to talk back. So how could you fear what you don't know? How could a client approach a trainer about a topic they don't even know? They might be maybe delusional and thinking that they're progressing physically. They might be in more touch with the mental aspect. No matter what he's giving me, it doesn't matter. I'm here, I'm moving, and I feel a little better until you look better. That's a really good point you bring up because it's almost like a um, – I don't know, I would – I would think about it as like, a, not like a power trip, but in a way where that someone has a power over that other person because they don't, they're not educated enough in that field. Yeah, it, it really is. And how do you feel about when, let's say they do have, you know, the bravado or the capability to say, Hey, this is not working. How often do you see that happening in the field that you're in? Uh, I've never, to me, never happened. I've never seen that go on between a trainer and a client before. But I'm sure it exists. It has to. There's I always that one person yeah, who will I make the trainer feel like just when they think they have the answer, the client changes the question, you know? I just feel like there's this, this I don't know, when I was doing personal training, I was uh, part of these bigger corporations. Um, one of them actually folded. But aside from that, uh, I was part of these bigger corporations that would say, I'm here now because I love fitness. Okay. I want to help people. Right. And the first thing they sat me down in that room and said to me was, okay, we have to sell this amount of package in this amount of time. And we have to get these amount oh, of sessions because gosh. it's going to be great for us. And Hey, make sure to push these memberships and Hey, look, you're going to get a bonus if you do this. And it was sort <laughs> of, that was the first version I got for myself. And yeah. I could see how much it, you how passionate oh. you are about it. But that's the version I got for myself where I said, there's something wrong here. Oh man. I, you want me to add to that? Absolutely. It's the reason why I'm independent, put it that way. So when I when, when I was younger, going back like seven, eight years ago, uh, I needed a job as a trainer, but in the city where there's more money. Stay away from Brooklyn, right? So when I got out there, I didn't know what was ahead of me because they weren't as advanced as this. And they wanted you every month to do a quota. For those who don't know what that is, so you got a gym, you got members, you got clients, and you got a, a, a personal training director who his or her higher up says, listen, we need 20000 a month amongst your 10 trainers. So go find them, round them up, and maybe get two grand per person. 
in the beginning, it's all fun and games. You know, it's competition. It's cool. It's a reminder that you could sell something to someone that you've earned their trust and there's reciprocity. She's paying and you're providing. It's a great feeling. But when you really, really love your body the way you love to train hard to attain that feeling all the time, it gets in the way, bro. It definitely gets in the way. You start feeling like you, you don't feel as good. Almost like you feel, do you feel like you're deceiving people? Mentally fatigued. Because to chase that feeling, to overcome that is to train hard. How do you do that when you got 20 clients? Because they have a quota. So the quota starts making you irrit like very irritated. You know, you start saying, man, everyone else does this. It's no, no mystery. Let me establish clientele, 10 or 20 people. Let me rightfully earn their trust, rightfully, not just to leave. Let me convince them why you should still come with me. Because we're in a journey. No matter where we take it, we take it together, right? Take them out to a studio. You'll get paid a lot more money. This, this, is, no, this is not rocket science. This goes on. But that's why I can't be subjected to a gym. Because they have that over me all the time. I don't mind doing it. But every month, it just weighs you and weighs you and weighs you. And they want you to stay on the floor to work until you have that number. Yeah, and it kind of, I guess it also drains the attention span that you want to devote to one person at one given time. It's a, almost like a work overload. Why do you think I only want to have six clients? I can't give the seventh one. I can give the six, five, four, three, two, and one. Absolutely. And I mean, when I was running through this, this gambit, I was sort of uh, skeptical and I said to myself, okay, you know, I've been, I competed in one or two shows mm -hmm. before and I got involved in the personal training and I said, okay, this goes against everything that I believe in as someone trying to maintain adequate health for another human being, because now it's not, you know, you have me helping you, Correct. but now in the back of your head, you have this pressure from these corporations that are saying, okay, you must not hit this quota. Okay. You must not hit these numbers. And here's a little incentive for you. But at, this, at the same time, as you're working through someone with this other client, you know, you, like you said, you have about 10 more listed for that same, you know, two day period, right. Or, or even one day period, if it's, if it's a really busy gym hit. and it weighs on you and it, it almost makes you not want to be associated with something that you don't believe in anymore, which is why you would go independent. Why myself, I just left because I didn't believe it. Yeah, make sure attention span avert, go away. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to a, a point that we were trying to talk about before where it's just training the appropriate people, like athletes yes, and stuff. You yes. find more, yeah. that they're more dedicated. I know for myself, when I help train people going for either a fitness competition or just getting on set for a movie, yeah. um, you know, I wanted to make sure that I gave what I needed for them to do and they would listen because they wanted it bad. They wanted to transform themselves. They were going to pay attention to it. Yeah, and it man. wasn't something that I said, okay, let me go look into a book or a flex magazine or like, you know, one of these old, uh, you know, encyclopedias and not all of them are bad, but I'm just saying that I feel like people go to those and say, yep, this is going to work. I'm going to take this and this and this, and I'm going to use the same formula anyways. Say go to. And then yeah. here you go. That's yeah. that's going to be your diet, okay? You okay with that? And it doesn't make any sense for me because everyone's body is going to be different. So I knew that the people I had gotten were like, okay, let me take a look at you. Let me assess how you are. Do you have any uh, pains that I need to worry about? I kind of become 
part of your family in a way where it's like, I need to know what you're eating. I need to yeah. know what your diet's like. Yeah. I need to know what you what you don't like to have. You I'm not going to say- You need going, a relationship with yeah, them. Yeah, you need yeah. a relationship, a personable relationship. And I feel like that's gone it's with, gone with today's window. type of personal training. <clears throat> a lot of people will not admit this, but they need the trainer for sometimes a friendship. No one's going to say, hey, can I pay to be your friend, please? No one's going to say that. But- a lot of goals went out the window where it starts, hey, could you get me to look like this? In two, three weeks, two, three weeks in, sometimes you know their blood type. It becomes personal. Do you like that sort of a connection better? I like a combination. It? I like to know who I'm dealing with, why some things happen, why he or she might struggle with their workout. Oh, that's right. She has anemia. I could factor that in. Can't factor what you don't know. I might have a client who had, uh, I don't know, called mono when he was young. And once in a blue, it causes chronic fatigue if you got a certain amount of mono. So if he's dying out in the workout, I'm not going to take it personal. Like maybe he's not eating like, like I told him to eat. Maybe he's not sleeping. He or she. He or she. Now, what motivates you to having a good, what's a good client for you? Who's someone that is, I guess, mentally stimulating or, you know, you just shouldn't be afraid to ask the questions? You just said it. One who magnifies the best version of me. So let me give you an example. Yeah. I had a I had a had past tense. God, I wish I still had a greatest client I could ever have because of how athletic she was. I actually don't know the story, which is yeah. Her name I can't even tell you her name. I don't even probably not watching this, but <laughs> Carly Berger, B E R G E R, Car Carly Berger, and um, I remember she was pawned off to me from another trainer who was leaving, and he was pretty much disseminating his clients even between the trainers. He goes, I'm going to give you my best clients because I know you work well with people who bring the best out. So I had her and by looks, she didn't look like the girl who could do pull-ups or push-ups. Just from like a first assessment of like, you know, face value. Initial glance. Yeah. Oh, no. You either say, oh, he's, he's physically capable or he's not physically capable. She looked incapable. This woman outworked me mentally. Jogging into my, the recesses of my brain, what can I give her next? But what can I give her that actually constitutes to what she wants to do? Not just something that's challenging. Is It's challenging, but is it helping her get where she has to get to? And that's where program design comes in. She was so good that I didn't like training on 6 a.m. That's when she was available. But the more I trained her, I loved 6 a.m. Because I knew what was ahead of me. It was a challenge. It was strong personality. You don't approach this all the time. So when you have it, you want to harness it, embrace it. Well, it's because you're passionate about fitness and you're passionate about, you know, this is this is a huge, huge part of your life, you it know, is, and, yeah. and it's something that you really revel in. You know, I feel like nowadays- It is my life. <laughs> absolutely. It's yeah. my whole life. And that's that's what I find. I take offense to when I hear or see things, you know, when I'm in a gym. And it's just that face value that just gets so, you know, misconstrued where it's like, oh, you don't look like you know what you're doing. How would you know? You know? What makes them say that by initial I, glance? Initial, it usually is initial glance or it usually is because, you know, it's it's that whole stigma of being in the gym. You want to work out your biceps. You're going to wear like the the most stringiest cutoff you can, like something like this, like a tank top. But, you know, for, it goes different ways. You know, a bodybuilder may look at it because he needs to actually make the mind-muscle connection, yeah. know what he's working out. He needs to see what he's doing. Whereas it's other people where it's, 
I know what I'm doing because I'm wearing a cutoff shirt and it's okay to do that, but don't then take that knowledge and say, I know what I'm doing to someone that's actually needing your help. No. And then saying, I know, I know exactly what to do for you when clearly it's just something that's a visual perception. I understand. Yeah. I, I see that a lot too. And those are the first people I hate when you approach them to teach them something. Why you, br- well, I'll tell yeah. you, I understand. <laughs> you, we're making that mind yeah, muscle yeah, yeah. connection. Already. Yes, yeah. It's because you don't want to disturb his level of delusion. Not that he doesn't want to break, he or she, sorry, doesn't want to break out of it. They may not know how. So anyone who comes remotely close to them with an iota amount of knowledge is a threat to them. It's a, it's a threat. It's exposure. No one likes being exposed, right? Why do you feel like people in this business especially have such a fear of being exposed? Is it something that, you know, I know you've spoken with a couple of people or at least tried to understand that perspective because you never know what people have going on in their lives. But I feel like it's a, it's a pattern of Big ego yeah. and it's a pattern of an unwillingness to be wrong, mm-hmm. you know, in general. I feel like it's just a fear of all that. It's a fear. Some people don't know how to change. Some people, some people in denial that they need to change. You can't change what you don't believe is wrong with you, right? So a lot of people just don't think it's wrong. They think it might be right for whatever reasons that they have. That's how they feel. Then there's ones that want to break out of it, that struggle. They don't know how to do it. So they're kind of wavering in the middle, but it's still offensive to them if you expose them and say, I think you could do this a little better. All their respect. Sometimes there's no way to, 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 propose it to them. They just get mad. You know, this whole thing is making me think about when I was uh, first looking at all the greats, you know, of the people that I looked up to. And I, I come from a, I'm not going to say an era of that, but I have always looked up to, you know, Arnold, Arnold and uh, Franco Colombo and Frank Zane and, um, you know, all these guys of that era. Yeah. And they all had a common thread that I have seen uh, is that no matter how on top you are and how great you are, they always have a willingness to help. And it's because- humble. Very humble. Yeah, it's that humble attitude that I feel like is yeah. sort of, I don't see you anymore. It's, yeah. it's, it's become, and I've competed in about five shows already, okay? And I've won my share of contests. And only in certain shows, you go back there and there's this backstage camaraderie and it's amazing, but you have a lot of these top shows where it's just- a, I get it. You're there to compete. And I, I'm a fierce competitor too. I'm, I'm there because I want to win, but at the same time is, you know, I'm not going to go break down doors if I lose. <laughs> no, I'm, already, I'm already in that, in the best shape. And that's yeah. kind of what people stray away from. But it's this, this, this ego, especially when people are like that or like myself, we're training in the gym. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't want to be disturbed during your set times. That's fine. Okay. You're in your zone, but if someone's asking for help, not in an arrogant way, what's the problem with going over? Is it, does it lose a piece of your manhood? I mean, this is what I feel like happens. I feel like, you know, <laughs> the lower region gets smaller, you know, for, for the male specimen. And I feel like they, they have to elongate that in a way where it makes them feel on top. Well, you don't have to do that because the greats haven't done that. Yeah. And I feel like that's what differentiates yeah. being great and being mediocre is that you can win 50 contests and you can be the most arrogant person in the world and think you're on top. Is that really going to mean anything? But a lot of the people in public that need the help buy into that. 
and go to those people. And they're like, oh, he must know what he's doing. He's got 50 championships. Yeah, but is he really putting his best effort towards you or is he doing it for his ego? That's what I have to ask. I got so many names in my head right now. (laughs) I understand what you're saying. It's But like I said, even, okay, even personal training. Let's take it back there a second. So if I'm working on a client, a potential client, and they had a certain type of trainer, even though he or she did the wrong thing by them or didn't do the right thing by them, they're still bought into that idea. You, you understand? So that trainer could just discard them one day or maybe they discard them, whatever it was. It's hard to buy them back to see the real way how I personally feel personal training should be. You don't always give them what they want. You give them what they need. A lot of people forget to do fitness assessments. Explain that. Well, assessment is like a setup before you do a personal training session. Say, I don't know you. Hi, Johnny Muscles. I'm John. How are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So you ever had a trainer before? It's part of my rapport with them. And they usually say, yes. Well, what has he or she done for you? This, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, I hear push-ups. I'm going to want to see how you execute a push-up. I'm going to see if you're going to do do the right right way of motion biomechanically. If I see something's wrong, I can depict it and I can work on those muscles independently. That's program design. You see? It's not what you tell me. It's what I need to see between my two eyes right here. I got to execute you on the ground, put you through a push-up, maybe through a freehand squat. Let me see if your knees internally rotate when you're coming down. I call a knock knee. Let me see if your shoulders are hyperextending your spine. Little things like that. I look at that. And those are the types of things that you really kind of have to look for if you're needing to make a good assessment. Because what I've seen mostly is that a lot of these trainers don't do that. Johnny. They'll go right into a workout. They'll go right into a specialized machine. Hey, let me get you into a full body. I hear quite often. Let me get you into a full body workout to get you adjusted. Johnny, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Your car makes lots of noises, right? You suspect what it might be, but you quite don't know. Do you just go on speculation? Or do you bring it to a mechanic? He puts it on a lift, looks underneath it. Okay, let's bring it down. I suspect it's a leak in this valve or whatever. Put it on a computer, a computerized motor or something that gives you a code. Oh, it's a Catalina converter. How do you know unless it's not diagnosed? That's a really good point that you brought up with that. Because I, I as a person would not think of it that way. But it makes sense in my brain by you saying that. Because you're creating something for someone. You're creating an illusion. As a trainer, if I tell you how to do a bench press and you're driving off of your neck muscles the wrong way, you're a basketball player, let's just say for argument's sake. Yeah. And I tell you, stop overextending your shoulders, retract your scapula more. What does that mean? Okay, well, you're a basketball player, right? Correct? Yeah. If you want to pass the ball to the next person on the court, how would you pass that ball? Depends. Either a chest pass. It's either it's too far, you need to throw over, I'd imagine you're yeah. not going to go underhand, but you, you're known to go over or you're going to fire off your hip, mm. right? Does that make more sense? That does make more sense. So you create an illusion for a person pertaining to what hobby they like, passion they embrace, job they do, whatever it is. You see, this is great for me too, because a lot of the things that I'll bring up, you know, maybe I won't know the answer to. And and I ask these questions because even as a general audience, I feel like it could be beneficial to understand where your mentality is coming from as someone that, that has done this and is continually doing this and researches every day and and is the essence of who you are as part of your life because i even just gained something new by thinking of it that way of thinking of maybe like a pass would be the you know you're not thinking about it in the moment but as like a hyper extension of a certain muscle and you don't know you don't know what you're feeling you just know you want to push the weight from point a to point b 
Are you in touch with what's maybe not working properly or overactive versus what's underactive? Not really. Not until you get an imbalance and your neck starts to hurt, your lower back starts to hurt. You start looking into things going through a corrective sort of fashion. So you hire a corrective exercise specialist maybe, right? Yeah. Or you ask a friend who's a physical therapist who knows what's going on. But can I tell you one thing I always ask a client when I first meet them? Yeah, I want to hear this. I say, let me ask you, let me just ask you a random question. Do you have a photographical memory? They look at me and go, why? It'll help me understand how to train you. That's some interesting. Of them, some of them say yes. Some of them say, I, I, I think I do. I'm like, well, we'll know when we, when we talk more. But if you know, if you have, would you let me know? Yeah, I have one. When, what you, when you train them, you want to paint a picture for those kind of people. Because that's how they process things quicker. That's how I am too. You make a visual connection with their mind and muscle. Absolutely. And then you, and then you begin from there. Yes. Now, what are the telltale signs from you when you see a personal trainer that knows what he's doing and see a personal trainer that doesn't know what he's doing while you're in the gym? You're not training them. You just kind of, you just observe it. Observe it. Yeah. I've seen that quite, quite often. I know you have. So what do I see? Yeah. What makes you look at someone and say, okay, this guy actually knows what he's doing. He's, guy, he's got their client in good hands or one that says, I don't, I know this guy definitely doesn't know what he's doing because of so-and-so. I see an irritated man. And once he sees, I've seen him. I get that look. But I see like, <laughs> yeah. But I see a total disengagement sometimes. I'm like, this guy's in his phone. He's checking his basketball parlay from last night. And Mrs. Jones is squatting for dear life. She looks like her face is ready to touch the floor. What's going on here? So I look at that. It's comical to me. And I don't really be too hypervigilant. I return to whatever I'm doing. But Does it offend once, you, when you when you see that? I got past that point, to be honest with you. I'm way past it. I realize it's going to happen. You can't change it. It is what it is. Kind of numb to it. But honestly speaking, when I do see it initially, it irritates the shit out of me. But then I return back to that numbness. I'm like, it is what it is. And that irritation I get, it comes from the passion that you have for wanting to help someone in need of help that's looking for it. The irritation comes from trying to tell them in the past, this might be the wrong approach. When people don't want to listen to you, become numb. Why is ego such a big problem? I, I think it's I just, generational, to be honest with you. Going back to what you said before, yeah. you said to me, why back in the day that some of the greatest were like, like heroes, they were humble about it. They were on the, help. on the throne. You're climbing up to meet me? That, that didn't exist. If you get it, you're a man, you deserve it. It's more humility, right? More people being humble. I think personally it's generational. That's what I think. You can only, you can, something you can only earn being humble. You can't, you're not born with it. No, that's absolutely true. And parents were harder on the kids mm. in good and bad ways. Some bad, some bad, but in good and bad ways, it, it instills character. It makes you, forces you to see things and not take them for granted because there's repercussions, right? It just opens sure. up your, it broadens the way you, you, you perceive things, you take things in. If that's yeah. absent from one's life, they, you got the opposite hypersensitive. I just took that comment that you made again for a second. I was just dwelling on it for a minute because you said the generational aspect of it. And I just started to think about that and say, okay, you know, that does, that does make a lot of sense because, you know, obviously as generations evolve, 
different things become more prominent. You yeah. want to see something on TikTok now, you know, where right. this generation is kind of different than, yeah. it's not wrong, it's not bad. It's just, it's an evolution of how things are, technology, times. Right. I mean, when I say that, I'm not bashing them. I'm just bashing what was lacking within their lifestyles yeah. that makes them think this is normal. I don't think it's normal, personally. I think it's good to be strong within yourself, too. I'm not saying they're weak people, but they probably could have had things instilled in them to make them stronger. Right? Yeah, I agree. Especially just going back to that, you know, I, I almost think now people look at it as, oh, I've become so-and-so, I've won so-and-so. It's a responsible thing to do now to help people. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like the instinctual part of them saying, yeah, I, I would like to give this back because it's been so helpful for me. I wish I had someone like that helping me at that time in my life when yeah. I couldn't have help, you know, whether it's getting into the gym or whatever it is. That's where I'm at right now. I was always a person who looked for help and it was always there for me. So kind of like now the whole podcast is giving back. So yeah. what do I do? I approach the young guys. I love to know I put up good content on social media if they want to follow me. But if I see something off here or there, I love to know I'm a trainer. A trainer can never stop being a trainer. We're always going to find things wrong. But we're the first to see things right and let you know, hey, good job, man. Right? So if someone were to want to approach you um, for, you know, to be trained, what would you, I guess, recommend be like a, a telltale pattern of someone that's going to be helpful to you rather than someone that's going to be not helpful to you by asking certain questions? I guess, what questions would you like to hear or that you would want a response from in order to have someone be a client? When you make a program design, do you involve anatomy? <laughs> do you actually look and see what's wrong? Can you fix it? Please don't waste my time if you can't. They don't have to, listen, they don't, John, they don't ask enough questions. Anything would be happy to me at this point. It's more like, what time should I be there? Uh, do you want a list of my diets? I know that, that's that a huge too. problem too, is that time where it's, hey, I'll be there tomorrow at seven and then not being responsible. These are adults oh, that do this. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it's a disappointing thing for you, but I wanted you to talk a little bit about that and touch up on it, about not the need to be punctual about your time, but it's about thinking about the other individual's time that he's putting into you that you're not acknowledging because you have now asked for this. Yeah. You've the one that asked. It's not the other way around where you ask them. Correct, yeah. How do I feel about that? Yeah. I feel it just it lacks character. You're showing what kind of character you are. Think of it this way. If it's a man, he's not a man of his word. If it's a woman, she's not living up to her word either. So I look at that and the first thing I see is you have not much respect for yourself. It starts with you. By you being becoming a spirit into thin air, you're not communicating with me. It's a reflection on your character. Yeah. I don't look much at that. I, I don't really take it with the same amount of respect. Well, I don't take them as truthfully. So it's- it, Honestly, it segues into that the next part of our topic, which is the toxic nature of the business versus actually helping yourself with health. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel like it's not really touched up on too, too much because it's, people don't want to go there because they're afraid to expose or talk about it. Exposure, yeah. But I feel like the business itself has gotten toxic to a point where- like we were talking about, it is become about ego. It has become about dollar signs. It has become about making the corporation mm -hmm. you're working for money. And all these ads come out 
I, I, I will tell you this one ad that I saw. I couldn't. <laughs> it was the most hilarious thing of my life. Okay. I'm not saying this doesn't happen. Right. But you have a runner that's running with her friend and she makes it to the finish line wherever that runner is first. And the other one you see and it's a close up of them and they're running and running and jogging and they're out of breath. And then it's like, oh, okay, their friend's waiting there to give them something. And what is it? It's it's like a Miller Lite, a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at that and I started, wow. I, I, started <laughs> I started laughing because I'm just like, okay, now most of the public is is going to be like, you're not actually going to have a beer after you just ran. You're just trying to, you know, justify yeah, why you ran. Exactly. Like wow. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is a perfect example of a advertisement, a commercial that's saying, hey, everyone. After you've had a hard day, reward yourself because you've worked your ass off so hard, which you can do, but the person just came from a run. Let's give him some beer. How That's going to be great. How do I feel about that? I thought it was hilarious. It, it's hysterical, but it's a little degrading to fitness too. That's that's exactly my point. It's that toxic nature versus actual health. But you know what? It doesn't have to be toxic, John. Depends on who's listening to it and how they're interpreting it. If you want to be lazy by nature, that's a perfect way out, right? But if you know I could put two and two together, two and two is four, how the hell are they having that? After training, I get it. Maybe there's a day off, you watch a fight, you what you what your friends have a beer, man. Yeah, your I metabolism so. is firing. It's firing. I said treat yourself to a beer. Don't make it part of your daily routine. Don't do that. Yeah. You understand? But when people are trying to pass that like it's okay, yes. it's almost like, man, should I say this? I'm going to say it anyway. Absolutely. Planet Fitness saying it's okay. We serve bagels on Monday and it gets better. We serve pizza on Tuesday. That's my reward. They want to make you, and I get it. I get the whole idea. You're we don't, we don't judge. Going. We don't judge. So you want to be heavy. You want to, you want to treat your diabetes and make it worse. High cholesterol. Have some pizza. No problem. But make sure you use a treadmill tomorrow morning. Thank you. When you punch in. I could never train people in that gym for that reason. It, it goes against what I believe. Exactly. It, that's that's the whole thing is that you're- They couldn't afford me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it goes back to that is that the affording part is is so, it, it's it's more of like your time. Am I wrong by saying that? By saying like, you know, the affordability is just like, my time is so valuable for you that oh, you just man. like, you wouldn't be able to even have my, my attention for something like that. Well, you it's just, so ludicrous. Well, you just said it. My mind. So my client, I port into them. You know, computer port, charge your battery, charge your phone. I port into them. John, do you know the kind of mental fatigue when I'm done with them? Oof, like like a phone on 40%. I got to charge. I can't be 40% for client number two. Got to be 100. They're paying me. Mm. They're trusting me. So I want to build on that trust. I want to build until it's built. I can totally it. understand that because that would – that. That makes sense, I feel like, in any aspect, you know, whereas you're digging into like script lines or you're digging into like character work or you're digging into, you know, fitness or you've just done a hard session, you kind of, you have to give your body a recharge, your mind a recharge. You do. You, you, do. you know, nothing in excessiveness is going to be healthy for you. Well, also there's money involved too. So people are paying you money. They're relying on you to remember, I work nine to five. Yeah. Doesn't mean I don't got a goal. But when I come out of work, I'm driven enough to come here because I know I paid you. But can you meet me 50% and lift me up? You got to have that in you. It's called charisma. You got to have that in you.
And you're saying also like going back full circle to the corporations in the beginning when we were talking about saying, you know, they, they have these 10 clients for you. It defeats that purpose because you're overcharged now. You have oh, to do five or yes. 10 clients in the same day. Yeah. How, can, how can any human possibly do that day, out, day in and day out? You're going to get burned out. Well, they, don't, fast. they don't see that. They see you're a selling opportunity because apparently they're doing that because they've seen something they like and they want to just get the most out of you. And unfortunately, this is the truth. When you're all tired and beat up five years later, you don't care. And they bring in fresh blood. Right. And they just keep sucking. <laughs> you know, it's, until you, you grow mean, on. It's like a until you become chokehold, a physical chokehold. Until you say, listen, there's only a way out of this chokehold. And I'm, I'm not MMA certified, but I got to take my people out of this gym and become independent. Right. And I feel at the same time is that, you know, just for someone new that's trying to get involved into um, getting in a gym, yeah. a lot of this is off-putting. You know, let's say yeah. you do know this, not just by listening here and not, the, you know, saying that we know all the answers with this stuff, but it's like an opinionated thing that we've both lived through consistently over time, Absolutely. years and years and years and years. Absolutely. And, you know, it. let's say people do know this information that we do, right? It's like, okay, I know this. Why would I even want to go to a personal trainer now? I want the help. Where can I turn to? Where do I go? What do I do? Sometimes people do that. It's not what they do know what they're doing or they develop an understanding. But guess what? I know a lot of people from being in the industry, they need drive. I've had people say, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you money just to set up my program design, train me, assess me. You know what I need. Why do you want this for, sir? I'm just curious. While I work nine to five, work long hours, the last thing I want to think about is how to structure my program design. So I'll pay you. You take care of that. I'll just show up. I had that quite a few times. And I kept those people more in the beginning. So now I know that normally I'm going to pour it into you, but now they're telling me I need 50% from you. I might pour it and give someone 25%. I got to give them more. So I got to be ready for them. So I keep them in the front of the battle line. You understand? And gradually, I come down. Depends on the person. Mm. The easiest client, I might be all corrective work, I'll put it to the end. You know, even thinking about that, maybe it would be beneficial for these big corporations and businesses that would have personal trainers on their roster yeah. to do their own assessing with clients first and, and put them in a priority list and then give them out equally because it would make uh, health the, the paramount solution yeah. that they want. And then everything else, you're still going to gain money off of it. Yeah. I just feel like that's that would be a common fantastic sense. thing and common sense, like yeah. you just said. But it is a lack of Understanding. time and desire and laziness Yeah, because they don't actually care about the health. No. As yeah, you listen for a siren to go by. <laughs> okay. Hope they're okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, like, it's part of the New York atmosphere, right? Even though we're not. If you don't hear a siren or a gunshot, you know you're not in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, going back to that, I feel like it's just laziness on their yeah, part. Yeah. And, and it makes me validate the fact of, you know, you don't actually care about my health. Me as saying, because I've lived through that, but to the common person, they may think otherwise, where I would say, you don't actually care about my health, you care about dollar signs. Absolutely. Can I take it a step further too? I would only put this in the real high upscale gyms like Equinox or Reebok, I would say, let's take it a step further. We don't know exactly our, well, we know our trainers are certified, we know that much, but we don't know how they act on demand for like someone who needs corrective work. 
What's corrective work? It's anatomy, right? Who knows best? A physical therapist. And that's why I say an upscale gym. One who could hire either a PTA, physical therapy assistant, what I'm going to school for, or a physical therapist. This way they could prescribe what the person needs as they put them through a mechanical fitness assessment, pulling it off to the trainers. Guys, you don't have to do all this, but make sure this gets gelled in to your program, mm. you know, compounded in with your program design. Otherwise, they're not going to be fixed. You might take them to a different level, but certain muscles might be overactive, some might be underactive. Let's balance them out. Do you also feel like choosing the right atmosphere for someone just getting involved in fitness is a good thing? I think it is because I know the right atmosphere for me works and some, you know, yeah. even to this day, atmospheres don't work. I need to get mentally motivated and mentally <clears throat> stimulated to be in there. Yeah. But also I want to know that everyone's equal on my same page. And there's only a couple of those for me that do it. And one we sport quite a lot, which is Bev's. Yeah. And, you know, it's always been a fantastic gym for me over the years. It still always will be. It kind of reminds me of the old gold, even though I've never gotten a chance to yeah. be there. Yeah. Been to the one in Venice, which has the same vibe. Great but vibe, right? It's amazing. But I feel like the the classic old school places are sort of gone, you know, where Bev's Oof. is kind of the only one that's remaining. Long time. You know, but do you feel that every person needs to get involved in a space that they're comfortable going to, but has the right value, like equipment wise? Don't just go somewhere because it's advertised. Don't just jump in somewhere because, you know, okay, fine. You maybe have groups that go into these classes together, but I feel like that is going to be mentally motivating for people to take that first step. Yeah. You know, hey, I work a nine to five. You know what? I may not have enough time, may not have enough money, have like two kids at home, something like that. Let me let me take a look and research this gym. I'll walk in there and see how I feel because yeah. I like the people. I like I like the atmosphere. Well, in their defense, I give them I give them a thumbs up for one thing. Those people, the first people who find it hard to get in, they go online, YouTube. Now, is 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 it wrong? No. Well, could it be you could be maximized as your full potential? You don't know what these people are giving them. They're making you move. They're making you motivated. They're, they're, they're implying movement. But how do you know it's good for you? But I give them that credit that they're actually starting with that. They're taking that prelude to that bigger step into the gym. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That's in their defense. And I feel like that's a great way to close episode number two. Um, this is like a two-parter for our intro. Uh, we really uh, hope you guys enjoyed our talk. Um, like I said, leave any comments, leave any questions that you have in our section below. Uh, like it, subscribe to us, Training Gain Podcast. We are really excited to share the rest of this content with you throughout the course of the season. We're going to have close to about 20 episodes um, and uh, and have a couple more seasons in the works. But my name is John Kioskarigis. You can follow me on Instagram at John underscore Kioskarigis. And uh, John, I'll have you plug yourself. My name is John DePaolo. You can find me on unique underscore physique 23. And please, um, you know, follow us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, uh, Spotify, all that social media cool stuff. Um, but we'll be seeing y'all next week. <laughs>